Larry, would you open in prayer? Certainly. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day that you've given us, the day that we come to this church and worship you. And, and Lord, we ask that you help us understand what's being taught, that we can learn more about you. And we thank you for the teachers that are teaching us. Mm -hmm. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. So we continue our study in First Chronicles. We consider it a gateway to the Old Testament. Uh, Charles Ryrie, Bible scholar, says, in a sense, it is a miniature Old Testament, tracing in capsule form the flow of Old Testament history. <clears throat> uh, Warren Wiersbe says, our God longs to restore that which is broken, fractured relationships, hurting families, divided churches. No situation is beyond his grace. And most miraculous of all, he chooses to use broken people to heal broken situations. Here we find King David, a godly man, reeling from tragic choices struggling to unite a nation, torn apart by civil war. This study looks at God's passion for restoring lives, relationships, and his church by working through those who are simply available to him. No broken person is beyond God's power. You discover no matter our story, no matter our situation, God can use you and me to bring about restoration in this world. Apply today. Think so? Okay, next thing we want to talk about is a little bit about what the word chronicles means. <coughs> Has anybody ever heard the word Chronicles other than the Book of Chronicles? Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> chronicles of Narnia, good. <laughs> yeah, you chronicle things when you keep a diary. Diary, right. <clears throat> Newspapers are sometimes called the Chronicle. Mm -hmm. Martian Chronicles. About a third of Shakespeare's plays were play based on an English history. It's called the Holland Shed Chronicles. When you say chronicles, how do you define it? What's, what's the meaning of chronicles? <coughs> History, record. Yeah, there's a song we teach the kids about the books of the Bible, and then we call them the record. So that's one way of looking at things. There are spy chronicles, there's small business chronicles, 
I looked it up on the internet and found other things like medieval Portugal chronicles, chronicles of philanthropy, and the curious chronicle of the letter C. You look in the thesaurus and you get words like annals, relate, narrate, story, register, record, version, archive, report, account, recounting, history. So this kind of gives you an idea of what Chronicles is all about. What we're looking at is through the lenses of various Bible study methods. And we'll look at several Bible study methods as we go through this course, and we'll talk a little bit about them later. Um, I'd highly recommend this resource material. If you ever run out of information on Chronicles, there's about 60 references, and it's not just the reference name, but it gives a whole reference and a whole bunch of things, all the way from maps and outlines and <clears throat> comparisons of biblical books and all that other stuff. So it's, it's pretty valuable. I'd especially recommend this Tom Constant's commentary. It was recommended to me by Marsha Hornock, and he's written several things. He's also got a website it's called Sonic Light or something like that. And he's one of the Dallas Theological Seminary people that has got a lot of good information on it and is very practical and very helpful in this regard. So um, whenever I approach a new book of the Bible, I often look for the five W's. And what are the five W's? Let's just read down the list. The first one is who, where, when, what, and why. And so we'll talk a little bit about this. Under who, who is he talking about? He's talking about selected genealogies. He doesn't give all the sons of Adam and all their descendants. He picks out Seth. He doesn't give all the 17 sons of David through, through, through various wives and stuff like that, but he just picks the key ones. And so he selects them with a purpose. And we'll go on the purpose in a few minutes. So I've called it Selected Genealogies. And this is the first nine chapters of the book of Chronicles. The remainder of the book talks about three kings, Saul, David, Solomon. But not too much about Saul, not too much about Solomon. A little bit about Saul in chapter 9. A little bit about Solomon in the last chapter. But mostly it's about David. And of course there's all other kinds of supplementary material in David. 
Where else would you find information on David? What's that? Psalms, good. Any other historical books? How about Samuel? Okay, so there's all kinds of material, and obviously this course is very selective. <laughs> okay, now where did all this take place? Well, of course, the center of Ju Judaism is in the city of Jerusalem, but then he talks about conquest. Can I get a couple of people to hold this map up? Couple strong men. <laughs> well, not strong, but <laughs> tall. Okay, so we go all the way from here to the, to the Dead Sea and down beyond, and up to Syria and beyond, even up to the Euphrates River, when David goes on his conquest. And so a lot of the material to takes place, especially in the region of Judea, but most of it centered in Jerusalem, the center of worship and the organization, the preparation for the temple and things like that. So that's essentially what we're talking about. Thanks. Now, when, when did all this happen? And so I'd like to suggest some key dates. And we'll be t talking a little more about time when we st start next week. we talking about genealogies and stuff like that. So what I like to do is a timeline of biblical history, especially the Old Testament. Then we start somewhere around zero, maybe a little bit before. And this is essentially the New Testament and the Old Testament starts with what man? <clears throat> Begins with the letter A? Adam. Adam. <laughs> okay. And Somewhere before 4,000 BC, not millions and millions of years from another galaxy far away. <laughs> okay, and then you go about a th roughly 2,000. I, I talk in round numbers to kind of give you a perspective. And there was the first of the patriarchs whose name starts with A. Father Abraham. Father Abraham. Okay, I'm not gonna sing the song. <laughs> okay. Somewhere around, oh, 1,500, there's a guy in, in Egypt who starts with M. Moses. Okay, and that's roughly 1500. 
maybe a little bit on this side of it. And then there were th three kings around 1000 BC. And their initials are S, D, and S. <laughs> and they are Saul, David, and Solomon. Okay. And then 722, you got the Assyrian captivity uh, somewhere around oh, 600, and the scale is getting very distorted. <laughs> uh, we have the Babylonian captivity in the setting, and we've gone through Daniel, and that kind of gives you the idea here. And then the, old, the end of the Old Testament is roughly around 400 BC. And you get the people like Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, Zechariah, and people like that in that time frame. And then, of course, it points forward to Jesus Christ and the cross. And then it goes on and on and on. So finally we come to the year 2019. Now, in terms of where, where Chronicles fits into this, it goes back to Adam in the genealogies. You'll see that in the first chapter of 1 Chronicles. Um, it, and it talks about David and many other people. But the time the book was written, according to most Bible scholars, is shortly before 400 BC after the people have returned from captivity, have started building the wall and the temple, and then kind of given up for a while and then kept on going. So that's kind of the when question. And then the question is, well, what is it all about kind of thing? And it's the history of Israel now, 2 Samuel is also the history of Israel about this period. And 2 Samuel looks at it from the standpoint of the kings in terms of the rulers from man's perspective. I think the First Chronicles looks at it from God's perspective. God is looking down in history and he sees all this. And then, why was it written? Well, the people got discouraged. Imagine being in captivity. Imagine the times of captivity and the people coming back and about to give up. They get tired. It was really an encouragement to see well, God has worked through history. And we'll talk a little more about that next week. But God has worked with history in such a way 
that it's a real encouragement to these people who are so discouraged. Now last week we talked a little bit about the background and kind of summarized a little just now. Today we're going to look at the gateway to the Old Testament, the overview, and in particular the five W's, the who, what, when, where, and why. Next week we've got an exciting lesson on genealogy from a slightly different perspective than most people think about it. Um, I'm not going to go through every single name. <laughs> That'll take a time. That'll take a time kind of thing. <laughs> and there's lots of, several people with the same name, which is enough to confuse you, so it's helpful to have a commentary along those lines. And then after that, Herb, did you want to say a little bit about the Ark of the Covenant? Just that we're going to be going kind of an overview of the Ark and the, you know, the implications then and, and if there are any now and just kind of looking at the whole subject. Right. So when we're talking about the Ark, we're not talking about Noah's Ark, are we? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> Back around Cincinnati. <laughs> okay, then this will be followed on June 23rd by a missions report by Becca Lufkin, who is a missionary with OMF, used to be Overseas Missionary Fellowship with Hudson Taylor and that crew and especially China and the Far East emphasis there. And she has been to the Far East region, and right now she's back in the Chicago area. And this will be the last time you'll hear Becca Lufkin. Uh, you'll hear Becca Zimmerman come a later time. Okay, um, Matt Gunder, um, is going to give a study of all the musical <coughs> instruments in the Bible. Well, most particularly those in Chronicles. And it's amazing how many instruments there are. There's, and what they're used for. And they're not kind of dull type things. They're used to excite people. And you can see them banging on the compression percussion instruments and blowing the horns and stringing the harps and all the other kinds of things blending in for the purposes. And Mark, Matt says he's going to spend a lot of time looking at all this stuff because he doesn't do things in a halfway manner. So you'll have a good in-depth study of musical instruments. Then we'll look a little bit about biblical leadership and why David was such a leader. And then we talk a little bit about the grace of God. There is a mistaken impression that in the Old Testament, 
everything was kind of law. The New Testament's kind of grace. But you can see the grace of God in the life of David and all the way through the Old Testament there. And then Matt will talk a little bit about other musical instruments throughout the Bible. And they had some special instruments in the captivity in Babylon. We weren't talked about it before and other things. It's, it's really a fascinating stu study, and I'm sure Matt will do a very thorough job. And then on August 18th, we'll talk about three hearts of the three kings, Saul, David, and Solomon, and why it's comparing and contrasting and seeing what, seeing who has the whole heart and the half heart, <laughs> the no heart. <laughs> and then finally, in a great hallelujah chorus, <laughs> we'll look at one of David's prayers to God, and it's fascinating, in First Chronicles 29, and we'll concentrate on some of the words of worship that are so great. And Hani's gonna find us a good internet source. He's so great at that. And he's gonna talk a little bit about what glory means. In other words, there's certain words of the Bible we talk about, but we never really define or talk about very much. And so that's kind of the plan for the summer. It should be a fascinating study. I'm looking forward to it. Nate, did you have anything to say about your map study? Or? No, it's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be good. Uh, Nate did a great job when he was guiding us through Joshua and all the lands right there. We'll see how these lands compare with the lands today from all the way from the Euphrates River down south to south of the Dead Sea and who's where and what's going on. So, and the other thing, of course, is, oh, I, I guess I skipped the middle section. Um, just, okay, six, seven, and eight, okay. Um, Tim Velasco, who has been to Israel and is going to lead this trip to the Israel, is going to concentrate on the places that David went. And so he's going to show us some pictures. So pictures worth a thousand words, and I'm sure the way Tim will put it together, he's got a whole bunch of visuals that we can see the mountains and the valleys and the Dead Sea, the Sea of Galilee, and all the other places that talked about in biblical history and make the Bible come alive. Then Chris Crosswhite is the director of the Rescue Mission of Salt Lake. He'll be giving a missions report and telling us about the work that's going on there and changing lives. And many of you men have been down there and will be going down there and Many of you women also, so 
We appreciate your service there. Okay, let's spend the remainder of this time talking about what resources have you found useful in Bible study? That's one of the questions. In other words, you obviously want to go to the Bible first of all, right? Read it and understanding. Then, then where do you go? I read the notes. Read the notes. Yeah, a study Bible is very helpful. What kinds of things can you find in a study Bible? Well, histories <laughs> and all about the place where it's being written about. So, Herb, do you have some? No. Do you have some other source that you can? Concordance. Concordance. What's in a concordance? Oh, what's in History of the Bible. History of the Bible. Yeah. Okay. And concordance concentrates mostly on the words of the Bible. Right. Uh, Ken and Doug's father used to say there's three major concordances. There's Young's for the young, <laughs> Cruden's for the crew, <laughs> and Strong's for the strong. <laughs> Bible Broadcasting Network has free through the Bible studies. I mean, it's actual courses and they're free online. So I would highly recommend that. Different subjects you can choose. You don't have to go straight through. You can just choose what interests you, whatever. And they have a little quiz that they give you after you do the study to help you. What's it called? Bible Broadcasting Network. It's 95.5 FM. Right. They do have a free app as well that you can have on your phone, and they have 24-7 broadcasting. Mm -hmm. They also have uh, uh, on-demand and part of their menu, and you can access different speakers they have the programs through the week on. Google. That's another another way. <laughs> I look stuff up on Google all the time. We have to be kind of careful where you're getting it, you know, what where it's coming from. But that's good <coughs> information on a lot of information to you Google, whatever you're looking for. I use uh, EnduringWord.com. Um, I really love the commentary. I used it a lot when I taught the class of Hebrews at Bible School. What's it called? Enjoy the Word? EnduringWord. What'd she say? Hmm? <laughs> You're getting your words too small, Jim. Okay. <laughs> you can come up and look at them afterwards. Okay. Bible <laughs> Broadcasting <laughs> Network. <laughs> 95. 
It's wonderful to have a love wife like that, isn't it? <laughs> okay, let's go back to the concordance for a little bit. Okay, so what the concordance was, you look up a word in concordance, and what do you find? You find a little number off to the side. Like, let's take Strong's, for instance. And incidentally, a lot of these are in the church library here. And I know they have Strong's for sure. And that's the one I use mostly anyway. Um, and so you look at the number, and then you look in the back, and there's two sections, one for the Hebrew and another section for the Greek. And they'll tell you the word, and then in the original language what it, what it looks like, and then they'll tell you in English um, what the meanings of the words are, and some of the different contexts in which it's, it's used, and it's, it's, it's very helpful. It's fun to do word studies. He gave me a concordance years ago, and you just pick a word, like, like if you're reading something, and then just see how all the places it's used and how it's used. Sometimes it's translated in a different English word, even though it's the same word in either Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic and you can see how it changes and how it's used sort of differently with different connotations and then you can get a greater grasp of what their that word is trying to teach or trying to say and it's kind of fun. I've always liked words so <laughs> I've enjoyed doing word studies and it's good. I highly recommend that. The Amplified Bible is also a good word source. All right. Mm -hmm. Parallel Bible where you've got multiple yes. translations is also helpful. Okay, another useful tool is a Bible dictionary. For instance, if Herb's going to talk about the Ark of the Covenant, he, he might go to a Bible dictionary and look up Ark of the Covenant, and it'll tell you all kinds of information there. How about that? Um, another helpful source is the biblical atlas and, or maps and help you locate some of these places. And Salana's got a collection of maps there. And there's also one on this site from the Austin Precepts that's got a collection of maps. And most study Bibles have groups of maps in the back that talk about various times in Bible history. And so they're very helpful as well. Uh, internet sites. What internet sites have people used and found helpful? I 
just Google it and look through and see what I want to look at. I mean, you can find everything online now. So you just do an internet search. Find all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But you have to. Let's talk a little bit about BBN for a while, kind of thing. The programs I like to listen to. <laughs> Fortunately, I'm retired, so I can hear them in the morning, <laughs> which is most of the time I look at it, listen to it. Um, basically, what we, we start on about 9.30 with Adrian Rogers, who's a great Southern Baptist preacher and careful Bible stuff scholar, and then about just after 10 o'clock, Johnny Erickson Tata comes and talks about <coughs> some practical issues dealing with suffering, and then about 10.30, Chuck Swindoll from Dallas comes on, and then about 11.15, Elizabeth <coughs> Elliott who was the wife of one of those martyred missionaries in Ecuador in the 1950s. And then there's Vernon McGee's on at 12.30. So all through the day you've got some. And then there's a couple once a week things we usually go to. You, Usually listen to Warren Wearsby on Saturday mornings at eight o'clock, and then we listen to Ravi Zacharias on the way to church on Sunday morning at eight thirty. So there's all kinds of ways that you can look at these things. So with this kind of general overview, what, what practical lessons do you hope to learn through a study of First Chronicles? In other words, we've kind of summarized some of the material we're going to cover. Now, the question is, what do you expect to get out of it? And we'll just leave it open for discussion. And don't fear the silences. I'd like to see how First Chronicles fits in with other books of the Bible. I think the Word of God is always speaking to us. Well, the lessons that I get to be here, because then I get to teach Sunday school too. Um, for the lessons that I get to be here, I'm looking forward to what God, whatever God wants to speak to my heart, because it is the Word of God. Even though it's history and things like that, which I love, the Word of God is alive and, and it will apply to us. And it will speak to us. So. What promises does God give us regarding his word? It's true. It's true. It's true. Mm -hmm. Never perish. Right. Never have everlasting. Mm -hmm. 
Unchanging. Unchanging. direction. I think another good source of Bible study material is some of the Iwana material. Uh, it kind of goes through basic Bible doctrine in the TNT group, for example. And it goes through studies of particular books of the Bible in the, the junior high particular book studies in the Journey Club. So I think those, those are seemingly helpful studies. Let's talk a little bit about what we're going to do next week. Next week, we're going to look at lessons from history. In other words, we'll look at the genealogies. And the question is, what particular meaning can we get from just a whole list of names? And if you look carefully at First Chronicles, you'll find out it's not merely a listing of names. There's certain people in that list that there are really gems in there that tell you about these specific individuals. Um, one of them was Jabez, talking about his dedication. You can find out about some people that worked with clay and were honored for doing that. You can find out little smidgens about different people. There again, you have to be careful because there's two people named Caleb and you gotta get it right. Then the other thing is we'll look at genealogies and when they're used in the Bible and then you look at the New Testament and you see some kind of what seems to be an apparent contradiction. In other words, where are genealogies used? Well, first of all, they're used in Genesis to remind people about where they came from. Then there's a very complete list here in Chronicles and then in the books of Matthew and the book of Luke, there are some detailed genealogies. Uh, the one in Matthew concentrates on the father of Jesus, who was, who was the father of Jesus? Earthly Joseph, right? And then the one in Luke, concentrates on the genealogy 
of the one that gave the virgin birth to Christ, whose name is Mary. And so you got these things. And then you go to the books of Timothy and Titus, and they say, what about genealogies? Don't mess around with them. At least apparently that's what they say. And we'll find out why and what the concerns are. And if you look at the first chapter of Colossians, you can get a little bit of a clue there why. So it's kind of interesting the way all this fits together in terms of biblical history. Any other comments? So remember, who is it about? The genealogies, selected genealogies in three kings, Saul, David, and Solomon. Where did it take place? Jerusalem, and all the way from the Euphrates River all the way down the south of the Dead Sea. When did it take place? All the way back before the time of Adam, all the way through to just before 400 BC, and then all these pro biblical prophecies that look forward, many of which were fulfilled at the first coming of Christ. And you those who studied the probabilities there, beyond astronomical. And then, um, remember it's a, was written, most people think, and the reason they do is because this is what the Jews thought. They think it was written by Ezra. And Ezra was a very careful scribe. And then um, it's a history of Israel from God's perspective. It wasn't what was going on on the throne. It was what was going on in the houses of worship. And then the, it was written to people who were discouraged, who were in many problems. The, their ancestors remembered the Babylonian captivity. And now hundreds of years later, they've returned to their land and gone off in some directions that haven't pleased God entirely. So that's kind of the perspective of the gateway to the Old Testament, the book of First Chronicles. Let's just close in prayer. Oh God, our Father, we give you thanks for your word. We thank you for the book of First Chronicles. We pray that we might study your word diligently, that we might learn from its truth, that we might apply it to our lives. We pray for the coming worship service and Kennedy preaches. 
All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.